Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Alan Mishra, and you're listening to the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. And we're going to start, as we always do with the Vitality Explorer News Podcast, with a quote. And this one is from Voltaire. Quote, I have chosen to be happy because it is good for my health. I have chosen to be happy because it is good for my health. Now, this is a special edition of the podcast in that in this short podcast, I'm not exactly sure how many minutes it'll be, probably around 25 or 30 minutes, you're going to get the top 10 factors associated with health. These are based on three posts that were produced in the last week on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site, and you can see all the details, references uh, on that site. You can also sign up at, Vi- sign up at vitalityexplorers.com to receive a free text message newsletter each week for free onto your phone. Now, this is special because what we're going to try to do, I think, this week on the podcast is to give you some specific, actionable, coherent advice based on a very interesting study that was done by the consulting firm McKinsey. Now, they're a global consulting firm. About a year ago, they started something called the McKinsey Health Institute. It's a nonprofit within that organization, and they surveyed over 21,000 people from 21 countries, okay? And what they were trying to figure out, what are the top 10 factors associated with health, all right? So part of our mission, part of our goal Part of the process we have on Vital- on this Vitality Explorer News podcast is to take the friction out of staying vital and to help you make deposits into your Vitality bank account. Now, you can sign up and be a paid subscriber to Vitality Explorer News on Substack to gain access to over 275 scientific posts. Uh, and you can also listen for free to the podcast. And this week, again, is kind of cool because let's jump right into what that survey found. And then over the course of the podcast, we're going to go into a little more detail about each one of those. But they looked at a whole bunch of factors. They surveyed over 21,000 people all over the world. And here are the 10. All right. And these are just quotes. Some of these factors are a little bit long, but then we're going to kind of dive into the details of them during this podcast. Number one has purpose in life. Number two has balanced stress level. Number three has conscious, has, excuse me, has been conscious of physical posture slash movement. Number four participates in formal learning slash continued education. Number five has opportunity to learn new skills. Number six volunteers when able. Number seven has meaningful meaningful connections with friends. Um, that's number six. Or sorry, that's number seven. Number eight. Is has a mentally stimulating lifestyle. Number nine is engages in regular, moderate to vigorous exercise. And number 10, not surprisingly, is able to get a good night's sleep. Okay, now this is according to the McKenzie Health Institute survey. We broke this down into three separate um, posts over the course of last week. And we're going to go into this in sort of top-down order. Uh, sometimes you get the top 10 list and you go from 10 to 1. We're going to flip that around and go from 1 to 10. But I encourage you to listen and re-listen to this because this, what I tried to do with the post and the podcast is to try to pull from the experience I've had over five or six years now of teaching people how to be vital and try to smash that up against this survey from the McKinsey Health Institute 
to give people things they can chew on, specific actionable things that are based in science, based in this survey as well, that are meaningful. And the number one thing was having purpose. And sort of having purpose in life, being able to balance your stress and being aware of your movement were the top three, and that constituted the first post. So let's go over those. Um, now, that rank-ordered list is quite interesting, but at the top of the list, and this is based also on a lot of other different interesting data, is having purpose in life. And finding our purpose is obviously complex. It's very personal. It takes time, reflection, and experimentation. And we've talked about this a lot on Vitality Explorer News. It's part of a course that I've taught eight times at Stanford on how to energize your life. But I call purpose the foundation of your vitality. It's also the foundation of both your personal and your professional vitality. So if you're your personal version of this, you could have a personal vitality statement, but your company, your organization uh, can also have a vitality purpose statement. Okay. It's your most important vi modifiable vitality asset. So you get to change this over time and identifying your peak purpose in life is a very serious challenge. But I suggest that vital people embrace that challenge, all right? And I've broken it down to seven steps. If you're having some difficulty on how to identify your purpose, here's what I suggest. Number one, reflect on your values and passion. Number two, explore your strengths and skills. Number three, get out of your comfort zone. Number four, seek guidance and mentorship. Number five, experiment, review, and revise. Number six, Consider how you can serve others or society with your purpose. And number seven is kind of a little feedback loop. Reflect and keep track of your progress. All right. So finding your peak purpose is a brutally difficult thing to do, but it is incredibly valuable. And there's lots and lots and lots of scientific data. And this survey from the McKinsey Health Institute, I was not surprised to find it number one. All right. Now, again, your, your purpose can change over time. You can have multiple purposes, but really trying to distill it down to eight words or less is a, is a task, is an assignment that I give to my vitality students that I give to myself. And that is where the purpose of the Vitality Explorer News podcast comes from. Enhance global vitality one person at a time. That's my personal and my professional statement, excuse me, purpose statement. And it's sort of my North Star. Okay, let's move on to the second one. The second one is have balanced stress levels. So this is kind of interesting. That's number two on the McKinsey list. And this parameter is really easy to state, but almost impossible to execute, right? So we're constantly trying to balance the stress that comes from life, from work, from our family, from you know managing any health issues we might have, and while maybe trying to squeeze in some fun time for ourselves, our friends, or other things. And so I have a little graphic on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site with a whole bunch of rocks balanced on boards life, health, family, fun, and work. But I think this is not something that anyone has ever completely figured out. I think we're constantly balancing and rebalancing our stress. Uh, so we need to know what is the one specific thing we can do that can help, help us when we balance our stress. So I thought very carefully about that. Again, because purpose was number one, stress is number two. But here's my suggestion. We can better manage our stress by being ruthless with our time. And we can learn how to prioritize better and then eliminate life leaks such as complaining or gossiping or 
doom scrolling on our phones or watching bad streaming media. And we can carve out a thousand seconds a day, which is about 17 minutes, to take a walk without our phone, spend more time meditating, praying, or just you know sharing a laugh with a friend over, or the, over the phone. All of those will help you keep your stress in balance. Okay, again, we're not aiming to take a super deep dive into any one of these. We're trying to give people specific actionable things based on the McKinsey uh, survey of the top 10. So number one purpose, number two, balancing your stress. Number three, not surprisingly, but it, it's kind of interesting. Some of these are, inter, are interconnected and we'll, we'll go over this again later down the list. But number three was, has been conscious of physical posture and movement, okay? So that, that gets back to this snarky little thing I, I say where you can't be vital by being idle. And I usually put up a picture of Homer, Homer Simpson eating a big piece of pizza, drinking a couple of beers and sitting on the couch watching TV. But again, if you expect to be vital and just sit on your butt, it's not gonna happen. One of the, one of the things that happens to us over, over time is we start getting more and more disorder into our bodies, disorder into our lives. And the only way to reverse the arrow of disorder is to input energy. So that, that, and we were also sort of built to move. So when we stop moving, our vitality plummets. So if we want to maintain our ability to move, maintain our physical po- uh, posture, this is, this is something, again, people have heard before, but I think it worth, it's worth repeating. That is to exercise relentlessly. Just move. And it can take almost any form, stretching, walking, hiking, riding a bike, swimming, going to a yoga class. Just get some form of movement every single day. And if you commit to moving and exercise like, like you're, I think, I think we should commit to exercising and moving like, like our life depends upon it because it does. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move down this top 10 list of things that we can do to optimize our health and vitality. So here's the sort of the recommendations for this first set of three, is that purpose, stress, and exercise are all crucial components of our vitality. And I think we can think about each one of those and re-review this, either this podcast, or again, you can look on Vitality Explorer News for all the references to it. The second set, sort of the middle set of recommendations in this top 10 were part of what, what I call part two of the top 10 factors associated with health. Again, this was based on a McKinsey Health Institute survey of over 21,000 people from 21 different countries across the, the, the entire world. And this one was really focused a little bit um, um, more on learning, which is one of the things that we, we, we didn't really think that was kind of surprising to me. Um, the other ones that were part of it were volunteering and then spending time or you know, d- developing closer connections with your friends. So they had really three or four that are all in this middle set um, from four, four to eight or four to nine uh, that were associated with learning. And here are three of them. Quote, participates in formal learning slash continuing education. Number two, has opportunities to learn new skills. And number three, has a mentally stimulating lifestyle. So you can see how those are all sort of connected. They're overlapping. And I think when we realize, when we look at that results, I think we can really realize the importance of education to our health, longevity, and vitality. And I think we wither. Our brains certainly wither when we are not learning. And one of my definitions of getting old is the refusal to learn something new. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to learn how to do that. Well, that's something that people who you know, get older and don't want to do that. That's one, one definition of getting older is not learning something new. And I think this McKinsey study provides us with evidence that lifelong learning is absolutely vital to our vitality. Okay. 
And learning how to participate in formal learning to obtain new skills leads to that mentally stimulating lifestyle. That's why I believe they're all interconnected. And collectively, these three represented 30% of the top 10 factors. So it's clear that learning and lifelong learning and having a mentally stimulating lifestyle is important. And what, just share one anecdote about that is, you know, um, I was trying to learn how to write better because I've always been a, not always, I'm better now. But as a youngster, I was in sort of a remedial reading and writing class and an advanced math. And so it was a very, very strange uh, juxtaposition between being considered smart on one day and stupid on the next day, right? I was very lauded for my math skills and I was told that I was a terrible writer and I couldn't spell. I still have difficulty spelling. Um, but what I decided five years ago or more than five years ago is that I was going to write every single day. And now I have an uninterrupted streak of almost 2,200 straight days of writing. Now, I'm not a great writer yet, but I am miles, you know, light years better than I was five and a half years ago. But I did not get lucky. I've studied, I've read, I've had mentors who've helped me learn how to write better. And most importantly, I've practiced the craft. And I completely rewrote my book, Dare to be Vital, for a second edition, which came out in uh, a couple months ago. You can find that on Amazon. And as you, if you've been a Vitality News Explorer or subscriber, you know that I've written over 275 uh, scientific posts about how to improve your physical, mental, social, or spiritual well-being. So again, that, that's something I wanted to do. That's something that I've developed. But I think each one of us can think about that. I'm still not excellent at it, but I'm better. And if I can get better at writing, anybody can get better at a skill that they think they were not very good at. So you may want to learn how to do anything. You want to learn an experience that might feed your mind, body, or soul, or, or really what kind of educational activity, this is a question I ask myself, what kind of educational activity brings you joy? So that could be you know, learning how to play the guitar, piano, coding a computer, learning how to paint. Maybe it's trying to just play better tennis or golf if that's something you want to do. Or it could just be catching up on something you don't know too much about, such as the history of World War I or II, biology or molecular biology or even poetry. Um, but learning this new material and developing new skills keeps us engaged. I think that's the key. That's why it's important to our health. It keeps us engaged and it helps provide us with new opportunities to express ourselves in different ways. That's why, again, those two components, engagement, and being able to express ourselves in a different way. Again, think about that. From my perspective, it's writing, but it could be painting, it could be playing the guitar, it could be playing any sport, whatever it is. Um, so learning new things, lifelong, is one of those top 10 from the McKinsey Health Institute survey. Another one is, quote, volunteer when able. So that's awesome, right? So I love the fact that volunteering is in the top 10 of things, factors that are associated with health. This is one that I think is under-recognized, but comes with many benefits. And here are three benefits of volunteering according to the Mayo Clinic. Number one, improve physical and mental health. Number two, it provides a sense of purpose. Number three, it nurtures new and existing relationships so you can connect with other people. And um, other data that comes from peer-reviewed published um, papers suggests that volunteering helps children and adolescents, okay? And this was a paper called Volunteering Health and Well-Being of Children and Adolescents in the United States, published this year. And here are a couple findings from the paper. Uh, number one, quote, volunteering was associated with higher odds of parent-reported excellence or very good health in children. Number two, volunteering was also associated with higher odds of flourishing in children. Wow, 
not a drug, not anything else, volunteering, giving of your time. So in, engaging with other people and trying to help them. And I, I know this personally because every time I participate in a volunteer project, I see my vitality soar. Unfortunately, I've forgotten this over and over again, but I, I hope that you know by reminding people and by identifying this scientific data and this survey data to suggest it, it's better for your help, that will lead us to seek out more opportunities, okay? The final one for the second part of the of this in the top 10 is something we've talked a lot about on Vitality Explorer News, and that is, had, quote, has meaningful connections with friends. So connecting with friends um, is important. Uh, we've talked about this in previous posts, uh, focus with fun on friends, and a friend a day may keep the doctor away. You can find those on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. But I think one of the core threads that is between all the posts that we've had about com- connecting or you know, cultivating closeness is that we need to recognize friendships take time. We, you know, we really don't have to be told to have, you know, spend time with our friends when we're in you know, elementary or middle school or high school, but making time to nurture those friendships is way, way, way more important than we think. And we kind of drift away from that. We think we can just reconnect. But the newly you know, published data from that McKinsey study is in line with lots of other scientific papers that suggest that closeness counts. So for part two of this, here's the Vitality Explorer News analysis and recommendations. Learning, lifelong learning especially, volunteering and spending spending time with friends are really important to our overall health. So I would suggest we try to plug one of those life leaks and spend time participating in one of those things today. Okay? Again, you can see the the references, some graphics on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. Uh, and then we're going to finish. Um, we're going to finish this section in this podcast with the final uh, one, part three of the top ten factors associated with health, according to the McKinsey survey of over twenty-one thousand people. And it's not surprising that it's exercise and sleep. But what's interesting is that exercise and sleep are connected. All right, and so the 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 two the, the first one that they had in their survey was quote engages in regular, moderate to vigorous exercise. So that's back to that mantra of exercise relentlessly. And this means to move. It can be stretching, lifting weights, walking, hiking, or running. Just do something every single day to engage your body in a form of exercise. And there's there's a myriad of benefits to exercise. Let me just kind of list through there. There's a very interesting graphic on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site if you want to see it. But you know, some of these are obvious, increases muscle mass and strength, increases basal metabolic rate. That means if you, if you exercise, you're going to burn more calories, reduces body fat, increases bone density, reduces the risk of a fall, enhances glucose control, enhances your cholesterol or lipid profiles, reduces blood pressure, and increases your cognition, improves overall mental well-being, and reduces joint pain, right? All of those rolled into one. Uh, and importantly and specifically, exercise is also associated with a lower risk of dying. So this is, you know, the issue with knowing that, knowing these things, isn't that we don't have enough data supporting it. The amount of data supporting exercise <laughs> could be piled up to the moon and back probably a hundred times. I think the issue is more how do we get people to recognize its value and then engage in this idea of improving their strength, endurance, and flexibility. And one of the one of the things that I think is 
challenging is identifying how much time we have. And I do this almost every single day in the office with my patients. I don't have enough time to go to therapy. I don't have enough time to exercise. So I've instituted things like five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night, 10 minutes total. I think you can carve out 10 minutes to do this. And I think the consistency is what is the key. And the data suggests that the data suggests that only 11 minutes of exercise per day can reduce our risk of dying. So maybe I need to up that to five and six minutes so we get a total of 11 per day. But that's that's not my opinion. That's based on peer-reviewed published data. And here's how it works. This is kind of cool. We've talked about this before, um, but this was from a paper called, um, you know, or a post we had previously about how to exercise relentlessly to combat depression, disease, and death. And what happens when you exercise, like when you get on an exercise bike for as little as 20 minutes, you're releasing very interesting little molecules out of your muscles that trigger a whole bunch of responses, not just in your muscles, but all the way up to your brain, all the way up to the connections within your brain. And, and importantly for this discussion today, one of the best ways to sleep better is to exercise. And I think you can think, think of sleep as a, excuse me, exercise as a natural sleeping pill. It literally helps prepare your brain and your body to sleep better. Uh, again, up on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site are very cool um, you know, graphics. There's also a video of the neuroscience of fitness, which is really fascinating. Uh, and that leads us to our final factor uh, that, it, that was in the McKinsey Health um, survey of 21,000 people. And that is, quote, is able to get a good night's sleep. So I think the key to physical vitality is to realize it's not just connected to our strength, flexibility and endurance. It is also connected to our diet, our weight, and especially our sleep. So these are just some, you know, sleep is a superpower recommendation or what I call vitality. Explore sleep principles. You can read more about it, on, on, again, on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. We put together an entire post about how to optimize your sleep. But here are some specific peer-reviewed, published data kind of suggestions uh, about how to sleep better. Number one, set an intention to sleep well. Number two, make it a priority. Number three, develop a personalized vitality action plan, which sounds a little ironic, right? The sleep action plan. But here it is. If you're going to try to improve your sleep, one of the things you need to really do is, is improve your sleep hygiene. And here are six specific things. Setting a a consistent sleep-wake schedule. So your dog knows when to get up and go to sleep. That's, very, that's why your body, training your body's internal rhythms to do that. Number two, limit caffeine and alcohol, especially uh, or before going to bed. And that's number three. It's connected to that. No eating or drinking two hours before going to bed. Number four is to optimize your sleep environment, keeping it cool, dark, and quiet. Number five should probably be number one, and that is to ban your phone from your bedroom or at least set a technology uh, curfew. Turn off your devices an hour or two before you want to go to bed. And the sixth one, which I've talked about before, is to get an awesome pillow. It doesn't have to be an expensive pillow, but get a pillow that you really love, and I think that can help you sleep better. So this, again, was a you know, three-part series that was published this past week on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site based on the McKinsey Health Institute Top 10 Health Factors. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. You can share this podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers to enhance their vitality. I also would uh, ask you to consider becoming a paid explorer, Vitality Explorer News subscriber to help support the work that is going on and that continues to go on to produce scientific information 
that is specific and actionable to help you improve your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being. Um, again, you can um, look back and I'm going to just review the top 10 in order uh, ways that you can improve your health or factors that are associated with health that are to ha have purpose in life, have balanced stress level, be conscious of your physical posture or movement, uh, participate in formal learning, learn new skills, volunteer when you can, continue to develop meaningful connections with friends, have a mentally stimulating lifestyle, exercise regularly or relentlessly, like I like to say, and focus on optimizing your sleep. So this has been a special edition of the Vitality Explorer News podcast. Uh, it's a 25-minute attempt to give you some specific actionable things to do to improve your overall sense of vitality and health. Some of you may be very good at a few of these and some of you may be not so good. Again, you can find more details, lots and lots and lots of references, hundreds of posts about how to, uh, to perform with each one of these specific parameters on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you've had, leave us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember our quote for the week from Voltaire, I have chosen to be happy because it is good for my health. And until next time, everybody, get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening.